Guys, I'm skipping the opening bits today because we have a special guest. For the first time ever on the Messed Up at Midnight podcast, we have ourselves a guest. Me and Mike's old friend and movie connoisseur, Mitchell Patterson here. Mitchell, welcome to the show. Honestly, I am so ecstatic and honored to be the first guest on Messed Up at Midnight. I'm glad that you guys are willing to have somebody come over at midnight to hang out. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're, we, it's, we, we've sat there and we've gone through the contacts and everyone else said, ah, yeah, maybe. And we just, and you were like, yeah. So we brought you on. I'm surprised you actually took time to go through contacts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, guys. So, so, uh, so Mitchell actually picked the movie for the week, which, if you guys don't know, is Tiptoes, starring Matthew McConaughey, Kate Beckinsale, Peter Dinklage, Patricia Arquette, and and in what the trailer describes as the role of a lifetime, Gary Oldman playing a little person. So, starting off, I want to say, Mitchell, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> There's a lot of things. There's there's a lot of things. Um, but I, I do think that I saw this movie and I was like, well, one, it's from 2003. S- two, uh, it's got a pretty intriguing cast. So for all of them to be in it and it not have ever been talked about or known at any point in like our high school experience or anything like that, I was like, there's got to be a reason. There's got to be a reason. I, I do have to say, it's one of those, this is one of those movies where I genuinely looked at the cast, looked at the year it came out, and went, how in the fuck did we miss this? Because, I mean, dude, it's, it's got, it's got everyone. It's got dude, everybody. Three people won an Oscar from this movie. And, I, and Peter Dinklage, no. he won. Yeah, like, think about no. that. Think about that. Like, Matthew oh McConaughey God. won. No, no, no. Matthew McConaughey won an Oscar later on. Gary Oldman oh. won an Oscar later on. Patricia Arquette would go on to win an Oscar later on. No, no, no. This movie didn't win any Oscars. In oh, fact, okay. In fact, in fact, it didn't even win any Razzies or was nominated, which I find even more shocking. That, that That's... That's not surprising, I would say, though. And in terms of what quality of movie it is, it, yeah. It's, it's just, it's such a wet fart of a movie. Like, there's so many things about it that just make it this this really drab cookie cutter sort of romance. And then it's just every sort of step they or opportunity they have to just sort of screw it up a little bit. They just take it. And it's just so confusing. Like, there are so many moments in the movie where I was left literally going like, what in the hell is going on? Why is why is this person here? Why does Patricia Arquette have, have braided hair? Like, why does Peter Dinklage look like the lead guitarist of Corn with braids in his hair? <laughs> and it's Jonathan Davis. <laughs> why are they just having... <laughs> I, all I can do is I can just imagine Peter Dinklage playing his character in Tiptoes, singing Freak on a Leash. <laughs> Feeling like a Freak on a Leash. <laughs> it's like a, like a French Rammstein. So the director of this movie, Matthew Bright, he said that a lot of this movie suffered due to like producers go- coming in and meddling with the project. And in fact, the original script that he wrote when he was 18, and you know, keep this in mind, he was in his 50s when this movie came out in 2003, 
he described the original script of this movie as, and I quote, a raucous comedy about, these are his words, little people fucking each other. <laughs> this, yep. uh, this, that sounds right. Like, it sounds, it sounds, that sounds like some teenager shit. Like, just, I don't get, I like, I have no idea how a 50 year old man looked at his, looked at his teenage manuscript and went, hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, like, I I remember what the three of us were like around 18. Any time that some shit like this would have gotten written, we would have been like, wow, we could see this being really like, like some kind of cementing change in cinema because it, it would allow more people <laughs> specific roles nah it's just bad it's just a bad movie it's just <laughs> terrible it's yeah mm-hmm. now like now yeah. like i mentioned like that's not the movie that we got that we got with this but matthew bright was actually fired during post-production of this movie and would later go on to disown the film during a screening at the sundance <laughs> film festival and he hasn't directed a film since. Dude. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, they, this was his last film. It's, That's insane. This, is, this was a send-off. He was just like, he was like, and here we go. <laughs> Bringing it back to square one. Ending it on yeah. a high note. And then he's just at Sundance going, I hate this movie. This movie sucks. Just want to let everyone know. This movie can go to hell. <laughs> well, and, and like, I... I I read a little bit on it because it did seem to strike me as to like how the hell did this movie go so poorly with all the people that it's got and all that. And I looked into Matthew Blight for a sec and I found out that like he had to go through, I think uh, the Langleys were the producers that he went to and they were either like next door neighbors to uh, his parents or a friend of his or something. And the uh, main person who was going to fund part of it, I think, was a uh, like main producer of Cops at the time. <laughs> cops. <laughs> yeah, I White know. Cops. Like, bad boys, bad boys. Done. What you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, which to some extent, I guess, explains some part of the like melancholy that they try to invoke in the entirety of this movie, and uh, definitely leads to a certain aspect of the movie being like. Yeah, we're going to make sure that you feel for these characters. <laughs> but at the same time, play terrible music in the background that you're like, what the hell's going on? There was just one like, scene where they just played sirens in the background. <laughs> I, I just like I just like the idea that like Matthew Bright was hunting down some hunting down some some funding for the movie and he cornered just this guy as he was on a ride along with the LAPD as they're beating up some meth head out on the southwest side and then he's like I've got a movie for you got and you're you're gonna want to hear this it involves little people and it involves Matthew McConaughey <laughs> okay but reportedly this movie's first screening was at a film festival actually in Austin Texas and it was Two and the original cut was two and a half hours long. <laughs> that's that, that's Jesus. that's insane. That's pain. that's pain right there. Like, oh my god! I want to know where that cut's at. 
Daddy, that too, that too. I want to know one what that cut is, because we could, because does that does it does it do a whole uh does it do a whole uh what's it called a night to dismember where it's added time and it just changes the movie or is it just well, like more little people antics and Matthew McConaughey you, trying to like play it off. What's crazy to me is that they re-edited it to the 90-minute run as producers after they'd already fired him, which meant they'd already shot everything. So, like, <laughs> I'm very intrigued to know the power of the editing that could have happened if the, like, full cut that he wanted to release as a producer, like, as a director's cut, was more of a comedy and less melancholy. Because I feel like that was his angle originally, and that that's probably why he's mad that they fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm, all I'm saying is release the Peter Dinklage freak on a leash cut. That's what I Dude, want. I just, yeah. Something takes a part <laughs> of me. <laughs> on a leash. So I want to get. It's also. The most, go ahead, Mitchell. Uh, I was going to say, it's also irony because I found out that one of the distribution like uh, companies that uh, released it is called Reality Check Productions. That's, oh, damn, that's irony right there. Dude, that, that is, is like, that's cherry on top, just like, just right there with ya, sort of you. Sort of open, You open Merriam-Webster's, and the picture next to irony is that production company releasing this movie. <laughs> Reality Check Studios just released Tiptoes. I bet you right. Like, oh. That's great. So, guys, let's get into the most important question that we have on this podcast. Now, Mitchell, did you come prepared with a drink? I I had a idea. I don't know if it's a full drink. I don't know what everybody would put into it themselves. But it's basically just a spin on the fact that you order a drink that you would say any, like, older male relative of yours probably like an old-fashioned or something you order like a double of that uh but specifically in a shot glass <laughs> so it's just so it's just a, shit a smaller load shot of, of, it's just a, it's just like a double shot of just like whiskey and angostura bitters <laughs> <laughs> just just like a press of angostura bitters just boom there it is <laughs> I like it's not it's not a dash anymore. It's a just you just sort of cup your thumb over the lip and you just go, eh, yep, that's about right. You don't even take the lid off the Angostur. You just kind of like wave it around. You just it's like it's a wand. Like it's like you're at Disneyland. Just I mean, hey. Kind of, yeah. Just, I, I was like, just for a movie, just for a movie where they took somebody like Gary Oldman and were like, yeah, you know what? We should make him be one of the major little people uh, characters in this movie. When we've got all of these other actors and actresses who are little people or who deal with some variation of dwarfism. Like, you have some, like, massive little people actors in this movie. I mean, I don't know if anybody who watched this this movie would know and have watched Twin Peaks, because I would doubt that Twin Peaks fans would find this movie. But, like... One of the most seminal characters in that entire TV series is just a background character in this movie. This movie, th it, I tried to sit there and think over what 
what cocktail or spirit this movie would be. I tried to sit down and kind of mull it over. And initially I landed on vodka. I was like, oh yeah, it's vapid, cheap, and it's shallow. But I was like, no, 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 no. The movie puts too much effort into, you know, depth. Like they really hammer home this attempt at like depth. So I was like, all right, what's something that has like attempts at depth but it's still like can be lighthearted and all of that. And I was just, and I just landed on cheap Cabernet. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, there is, there's technically depth there. It may not be good depth, but it's still depth. So let's throw in three ounces of a cheap, of super cheap Cabernet, like, like freaking barefoot or something. Next. Pour in an ounce and a half of Coca-Cola. Because this movie has syrupy sweetness, it's got this sort of sugary aspect to it that's kind of, that would be good elsewhere and would normally be alright, but it creates this weird funkiness that it's still okay. It's cool to add like this weird sweetness and sort of sincerity to a movie, but just here it is kind of odd. Next, this movie is very bright. It's got a lot of big colors. It's very flowery. There's a lot of, there, there, it's a lot of, it's a lot of visual saturation that I've, that I saw in this movie. For a movie that's from the late 90s and early to mid 2000s, this movie is a lot brighter because goddamn, those movies have, gray's their favorite color palette. Mm-hmm. So take, and, take a thing of orange essence, give it a freaking just dash, like a quick spritz of it. Now, so far, these add-ons and these cocktails so far, it's been odd, but it's still been palatable. Like, you could Mm -hmm. still convince your brain that this is okay so far. So what I wanted to do is grab grab a thing of your favorite tap water, put in about half an ounce to three quarters of an ounce, enough to take any weirdness and just... Either do one of two things. Either bring it to the forefront or water it down. Either way, it's now this kind of weird, vapid husk of what it could have been. Now, finally, we haven't addressed the elephant in the room. This movie has a hook. It has a marketing scheme tied into it inherently. Now, they could have very carefully and gingerly approached this movie. They could have done something in a really meaningful way, and they attempt a lot of sincerity in this movie. But the fact that the lead little person character is played by someone who is not a little person, and the support to the lead little person character is a little person saps away any sincerity this movie ever had the opportunity of and just hammers home this real weird air of exploitation in the year of our lord 2004 so for that weird goddamn thing we're just gonna throw in a fucking whole ass unshaved just thing of ginger I want you to just cram it to the bottom of your drink, grab your muddler, and just muddle it till all you can taste is this weird, 
watered down Coca-Cola funk ginger drink. That is just <laughs> not good. It's just not good. It's one note and it's just bad. <laughs> ugh. Ugh. <laughs> I can think of so many better ways to get really good gut health than than that type of a drink. That's Dude, disgusting. Your listen, gut listen. is going to be functioning at fucking Mach 10 after listen, that listen, drink. Listen, the Messed Up at Midnight podcast is, if anything, about gut health. Taking your apple cider, apple cider vinegar and having regular bowel movements, but <laughs> not like this. <laughs> Dude, just, just all you don't need this drink. All you need is some kimchi in your life. You don't need to be sitting there just cramming one whole freaking root of ginger. <laughs> I, uh, this is the thought of like a fizzy wine that's been watered down with the overpowering taste of ginger that makes like me qu- that makes my soul quiver in fear. <laughs> There's a part of me that's like, you know, you might be having a really good marinade there, but I don't want that to drink. Oh, a marinade. If you gotta muddle that ginger in there, that's gross. You could just let the ginger sit and it'd probably be just as bad, but slightly better. <laughs> no, you need those ginger chunks because what this movie oh. does is it takes any attempt at concentration and it just just sort of piece by piece tears it away till every sort of scene and every sip you have is just this like chunk that sort of commands your attention instead of allowing you to enjoy something with sincerity (laughs) so okay mike that was that was a good that was a good drink i fuck with it so for me this is a confusing movie because it's like a romantic comedy that features matthew mcconaughey a family of little people and Gary Oldman stealing your girl, which we'll get to. <laughs> so let's see. I'm actually, I'm going to start with the romantic movie part of this. Now, Mike, I actually agree with you. I'm going to go with the wine and, you know, for simplicity's sake, let's say a Cabernet, just, you know, keep it consistent between our two drinks. Okay. So no, fuck you. So, uh, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to take out your – Mitchell never treated me like this. So you're going to take out your martini glass. Yeah, we're going we're to get a little fancy mm. with this one. Mm. And you're going to pour in one ounce of wine. By the way, the typical martini glass can hold up six ounces, and each element we introduce will be one ounce. Okay, so six elements for, uh, and an ounce each. Okay. We have some comedic moments that don't really land. Like we have some serious moments that don't really land either. So it's like this movie can't decide which way it wants to go. Like it does everything and nothing like at the same time. Now for the comedy, like Gary Oldman getting into a fight, the hippie girlfriend and all of the quote unquote little people jokes. Let's go with one ounce of Bailey's Irish cream. You know, it's light, it's funny, but it's a type of comedy that doesn't land in a movie like this. If it were maybe a different style of comedy, it might mix well with a wine, but it doesn't. Now, for the serious moments, like the whole pregnancy and family secrets bit, let's go with one ounce of some piping hot espresso. Some fucking bitter, bitter espresso. It's an extreme to the other end that, you know, doesn't really mix well with what we've established. Well, maybe, maybe alone with like the Irish cream, but like, not when it's mixed in with the wine. Okay. 
We got three down, three to go. Let's go right to Gary Oldman, playing a little person who has to act on his knees to play this role, who also steals your girl. But again, like I said, we will get to that. It's got now so for much the- riz. <sighs> Gary, I want that Gary Oldman riz in my life. <laughs> so for the utter just shock and surprise of all that, with it leaving you saying, oh my God, why? Grab some Thai chilies, about you know six or 12, drop that into a jar of cheap vodka, and let it sit for about a week. And then once you got your spicy potato alcohol, pour an ounce into your drink. And we got two more things. Okay. Peter Dinklage and his hippie girlfriend. Okay. What can we do with this? Pour in an ounce of Sweetwater 420 strain G13 IPA beer and mix that in with your drink. It tastes earthy and like weed and, you know, like hippies and Marxists like weed, right? Right? Okay. So lastly, what can we do to save this drink? I I mean, nothing, but, you know, we're going to try. Let's have Kate Beckinsale kiss Gary Oldman at the end of this movie. You know, that, that makes you say... Oh, come on, really? They're doing that? And, you know, I'm bringing in our own version of that for the mess of the mess of midnight version of that phrase with this drink. Just go pour yourself an ounce of good old-fashioned milk and slap that sucker in. And, yeah, that, that, that whole martini glass concoction is this movie. It's... If that is, if, if, if we have to drink that, I swear to God, and I'm going to, I'm going to run up and freaking drop kick you because on my way to the bathroom, cause like, dude, chili vodka, coffee, espresso, no less. And then Cabernet and Bailey's and all of the other stuff. Like, dude, my stomach is going to punish me the day that they have. Good lord. That is that I gotta say, man, I, I do, I do, I do fuck with it because it really does hammer home the fact that this movie is pain to watch. This movie was pain <laughs> fucking full. Oh lord. Oh lord, it hurt. But yeah, you you know what? I I applaud you. It, yeah. That feels apt. That feels apt. That is that is a apt drink, but boy, does that make me prefer getting wasted on uh, cement mixer shots instead. Because <laughs> God, that sounds gross. Exactly, <laughs> cement mixer. Maybe maybe like a rumple mince shots or two, because like that's got it's got the mouthwashy feel to it. Yeah, it's just something to clear the system. I feel like I feel like if you add like a drop or something, like do a little like sugar cube drop of absinthe into it. You could like try to revive it, but that's only bringing in like the French communist of Peter Dicklin from this movie is Maurice. I I love the energy, but absinthe is Nick Cage on this podcast. That is is, is a, that is, yeah, that checks out. I will will concede. 100% 100% exactly. that is Nick Cage. Exactly. Which brings me to a new idea, which I feel is un, is is an un, unknown gem that we stumbled upon, which is Nick Cage on his knees as a as a French Marxist biker little person. Like, 
Come on. We already did Wicker Man. We did we it'd be, like it it definitely be better than Ghost Rider. Hell yeah, it would. Absolutely. Mike, Mike, you had me at Marxist. Johnny Johnny Blaze is Nicolas Cage as a little person who's a Okay, Marxist. but what if what if they do that and it's just basically like a remake of Mandy? Oh my god. Oh my god. Listen, <laughs> I love Mandy, so like, don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> no, Mandy. Mandy might be one of my favorite Nick Cage movies. It's still amazing. It. Oh, so guys, you know what? Let's just go, go drink some absinthe, and then come back and let's talk about tiptoes. So I was going to do something to introduce this, but Mike, w- before we started recording, you actually had the perfect introduction for this movie. Now, Mike, can, can you can you share that with us? <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> OK, this is you know, this is one of those things where when you, I like to take notes during the movies, I like to I like I like my notes to be half like story based things that occur. So my so my mind can like keep on sort of where we're at in the movie. And then it also likes to, I also like to note down weird things or things that catch my eye that make me go like, oh, that's a little odd. Uh, (laughs) The first note in my notes is dwarf on a bike. (laughs) 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 Which is pretty much the start of the movie. It's just, it's like easy riders. They're just, it's like a full on easy riders thing, but it's just, dwarfs just on a bike on on two bikes just chilling which again again totally fine totally normal but my brain was just like my brain was just like write that down you you know you want to write that shit down and i'm like yes i will i'm like oh all right all right dwarf on a bike so hell of a way to start with this movie but then we got to go to matthew mcconaughey and kate beckinsale we get like a brief introduction right, to their right, relationship. Right. To listen, we love us some Matthew McConaughey here. This is the second time we've talked about him. If you remember, we mm-hmm. talked about him at the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Next Generations, and hell yeah, it's like same level, you know, like you know, it's, yeah. Weirdly enough, it's the same same grade in terms of <laughs> quality. <laughs> So they talk, and apparently Matthew McConaughey has like a family obligation or something. He's being really secretive, but you know it. It doesn't matter because you know she's trying to blow him, but he's got to go. Doesn't matter. Okay, we go back to Gary Oldman cussing up a storm with Peter Dinklage, and they're pissing on the side of the road. And yeah, they just also see some like hippie getting kicked off a bus, and she's hitchhiking, and you know this gets Peter Dinklage's eye, so he, you know, does the natural thing and goes to pick her up. So I don't fucking know. Jenny from Forrest Gump just hops on her bike and just hops on his bike and just, they just fucking ride off. Dude, it's it's so <laughs> odd. Like it's just like just it's one one the chief thing that commanded my attention was that initial was it was like it was it was it was Gary Oldman, Peter Dinklage paying, and I'm like, all right, fine, sure, whatever. That's like an opening scene. And then they're just swearing like sailors. And and I initially thought this was like PG-13, and they're like, fuck, shit, damn, piss, fuck. And I'm like, whoa. I was like, Jesus. I was like, we're coming out hot for a, for a PG-13 movie. 
little did I know this was this was an R-rated movie, which yep. further confuses me. Further confuses <laughs> me. Anyways, anyways, yeah, it's just it's it is literally a fever dream. It's like it's like dark it's timeline so Forrest Gump, where instead of returning to Greenbow, Alabama, or wherever the hell he's from, she just keeps hitchhiking, gets dre- gets dreads. And just hitches rides with dwarfs on motorcycles. It's just like in the five first five minutes, they do so much to make you go, wow, this is really a quintessential early 2000s movie. Because like the first thing that you see when when Matthew McConaughey walks into Kate Beckinsale's apartment is you're like, there's no way that the two of these people can have this kind of an apartment in yes. this way. Like yeah. it's yep. massive and it's doing the same thing that every apartment from like that era of film or TV was trying to like invoke where it's like exposed brick loft area, kind of industrial. She's an artist. And then I love the fact that they're like very quickly, like having a conversation and all of a sudden she starts undoing his pants and he's like, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, and like very no quick cuts to next scenes there's no development it's just it's just she tries to blow him he's like i gotta go and she's like fine and then it hard cuts to dwarf peeing i'm like we're, we're everywhere we're everywhere we need to hone it <laughs> so okay after this we go to a, a hotel where there is a and this is the name of the conference the little people's defense league and matthew mcconaughey is walking up and he just, you know, sits down with his family and they're all little people. And, you know, so Matthew McConaughey is making nice with everyone. And, you know, one of the people at the table is, you know, making eyes with, you know, someone else. And then we get Matthew McConaughey dancing with his family and, you know, he's having a good time. But then when we go outside, it's Peter Dinklage and Gary Oldman arriving at this hotel and Matthew McConaughey meets him outside and, you know, he sees Gary Oldman and it turns out they're twin brothers. Despite <laughs> looking identical, identical. different, identical twins. I just like I. Uh, I do love the idea that people go up and just go, "Oh, oh, oh, wow! You guys are you guys are related? Oh, you guys are like cousins? They're like no brothers. And they're like oh, really? And the guy goes, identical twins. And they're like not 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 fraternal. And you're like not even close. Nah, not even close. I'd I'd love the, I'd love the person who'd walk up and go, "Oh man, I can't tell the difference between the two of you. You guys look the exact same." Mm-hmm. yeah exactly like, just all right guys like, no i, I don't want to talk to you go away <laughs> despite gary those... oldman being actually like 12 years older than matthew mcconaughey <laughs> it's, yeah right it's, it's why is he the why is he the main little person actor that's such that's such a weird pick like that's such a weird pick especially with all of the other little people actors and actresses that you have mm-hmm. on set for this film. I, I, and, like, they don't even have that long on screen, really. Like, there's what, like, four or five scenes that are mass events where, like, mingling is happening amongst a lot of people in the background. And most of the people in those shots are little people. Mm-hmm. They don't have a lot of lines. They're not actually getting, like, significant screen time. And you're like, the hell? I thought this movie was about this. Also, also, quick, quick aside. This is definitely pre Peter Dinklage being a respected and renowned and like upheld actor because oh, this yeah. was yeah. hot off the coat. Ta- this was this is back when he was playing characters where the joke was that he's little instead of being like, oh no, he's just qualified. <laughs> like so, they're like this, this, what 
What's insane to me is that this movie came out around the same time that, like, Kate Beckinsale just got done with Pearl Harbor, and Matthew McConaughey was about to star in, like, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days or whatever, I think. And it it's just crazy that you have Peter Dinklage, who becomes a significant actor for a lot of people, almost kind of unknown at this point to some people, and a bunch of little people who you probably have seen through different mediums or like other TV shows. I can definitely re- remember the fact that there's one in here who I watched and loved in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. He has mm-hmm. like five lines. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, it's just exposition with this scene. And um, he's just, and anyways, it basically ends with Matthew McConaughey being like, Oh yeah, it's good to see you brother Gary Oldman. And you know, he fucking walks away. But then we cut to Kate to uh, Matthew McConaughey and Kate Beckinsale getting in bed together. We get Matthew McConaughey and Tidy Whitey's showing off his leftover muscles from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it fucking looks like he's wearing like a fucking protective cup in this scene. But that doesn't matter because he cuddles up with his wife and, you know, they have conversations. And she's like, I don't like how you're keeping secrets in our relationship. By the way, I think I'm pregnant. And Matthew McConaughey has all men's reaction like, what? I'm sorry, we haven't even talked about this. And then he fucking gets up and like storms off from his wife. So, okay. Yeah, that is that is definitely that is definitely the crux of the entire scene where it's Matthew. She goes, she goes, by the way, I'm pregnant. He's like, she's like, she's like, why are you being so weird? He goes, I don't know. Just I'm startled. She's like, well, it's really insulting that you're startled. He's like, it's it's being startled bad. Like, I I feel like at this point, especially from the outset and being significantly later in in our like uh, modern era than 2003. That you could look at the two of them and how they have conversations and go, how the hell did they stay together this long? Because, like, he has no ability to have a functional conversation with her about how to be in a significant relationship. Like, that is true. There's no point yeah. between the two of them. He's so bad at trying to, like, show her that he loves her and all of this. It's so <laughs> funny. Because in that scene, like, his first reaction to her being pregnant is to, like, partially roll over and widen out his arms and just go ah, and you're like but you could be like wow that's amazing dude that's unexpected though like could have serious conversations nope gonna sigh really loud well well that's gonna come up so much more that's gonna come up so much more the fact that this man yep. is so poorly adjusted when it comes to having relevant conversations but yeah he doesn't, no, he doesn't act like a normal person <laughs> that he no. doesn't that he doesn't no. so okay gary oldman and then peter dinklage we got to go back with them they end up at some motel and it turns out you know they can't get two separate rooms so they all just so gary oldman peter dinklage and fucking jenny from forrest gump all have to share their room and peter dinklage is like yeah i'm about to get my fuck on and gary oldman's like i just please the love of god don't so anyways they go and drink like liquor out of a plastic cup with dirty ice. And then they start, you know, getting their game of Thrones on Peter Dinklage starts having some type of pain that like fucking not Jenny is like, Hey, like what's going on? Then tries to do a spinal adjustment. And he's like, no, don't fucking do that. Gary Oldman comes out all getting ready for bed. And, you know, 
them them not Jenny and Peter Dinklage start fooling around a little bit more. It's the situation all college students who have had to share a room have been in. And this ends up this ends up keeping Gary Oldman up all night while we listen to fucking the soundtrack of reggae music. And we're not even 20 minutes love, in. And I want this movie to shut the, the fuck up already. I love that this movie, this movie's, this movie's, this movie's like music for, for like, a, for like sexy time is reggae. Like, reggae. Not, not even, not even like good reggae, just spoken word reggae practically. It's exactly. It's like, like they could have totally picked something ultra stereotypical like they could have put in like marvin gay and you're like oh okay i get it they're doing yeah, that okay. thing. but like they're just like they're like you know what really really would sound good right now so bob fucking marley you're like huh you're like, what is, what <laughs> let me just add a little I bit of punk rock in, let me get a little bit of punk rock in here and maybe we can start playing some ska music here's a trumpet <laughs> i just love yeah that. let's oh. start jazz dancing dude dude i oh my god i just love the idea that like that not jenny and peter dinklage are like getting down as they're going to sleep and she's like oh turn on some turn on some music for me and he's like all right and he turns on and it's like real big fish or like the specials <laughs> and he's like, pick it up pick it up pick it up pick it up <laughs> <laughs> at a certain point though i feel like maurice would just have some weird french communist like uh podcast or something that he'd be playing like to oh, he's, like, play, he's playing something like <laughs> it's a mix between like a marxist podcast and the joe rogan experience i oh feel God. <laughs> <laughs> so so gary oldman like he hears all this shit going on and then peter dinklage has to run to a bathroom and start throwing up apparently he's got like ulcers and a herniated disc and or as Gary Oldman describes it as little people shit. And he's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm gonna go see an old girlfriend. So he goes off and sees this old girlfriend. I think her name is like fucking Sally or some shit. I don't fucking know. So they go and they. So Gary Oldman's over at this over at the Sally's old apartment. And, you know, they're they're talking. Apparently, Gary Oldman's a big time reporter. But then her apartment door opens and it's her current boyfriend and they start arguing apparently she lent him some money while you know gary oldman has like hide in the closet except it's not her money she goes to ask gary oldman for like 20 bucks to give to the guy but then the boyfriend barges in and starts arguing while gary oldman's like here just fucking take the money i'm trying to get out of here and then it just fucking breaks out and then the boyfriend just fucking starts beating the shit out of gary oldman while the girlfriend grabs an old fucking stereo and hits the boyfriend over the head with it. And Gary Oldman has our response saying, like, fuck this. I'm out of here. It's it's this is this is this is the comedy bit that 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 Matthew Bright was like that that Matthew Bright really wanted in the movie. Because he was like because because the entire time it's it's a it is a palestinian refugee fighting a dwarf which feels like the setup to the worst joke of the century but it's like that's just it and yeah exactly gary oldman gets up to leave and she's like oh but my god they're probably gonna have to talk to the cops and he goes you talk to him and leaves which i respect the shit out of but what the f what the hell is this scene what the hell is like this scene He's like, not my job. I'm exactly. not dealing with that one. I'm out of here. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> mm -mm. Yeah. 
It's your bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? (laughs) What you gonna do when they come for you? Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) It's just so funny. You just see the producer come out with a camera, (laughs) and then you just see a couple cops just rolling. (laughs) Okay, so... We go back with Kate Beckinsale into her apartment. She's taking like a pregnancy test and it turns out to be positive. Then we cut to Matthew McConaughey. Apparently he's like some type of firefighter instructor and he's outside doing something. It's, you know, I wasn't expecting him to be doing that. It's like some type of like fire training. I love that they have this bit with him being like a fire trainer for like, two scenes and they're not even that long of scenes mm-hmm. you're like why is this important to the plot exactly exactly that's does, my problem how does this add anything it's it, there's no it's like they could have had him be an accountant like and it would make perfect sense it feels so superfluous to the plot but they really just wanted just a whole scene where he's an overly where he's overly aggressive training training cadets mm-hmm it's also, I have a question for the two of you. Do you recall them ever mentioning where they actually are in this whole movie? Like, what state they live in? Where this cabin <laughs> is? Like, where all of this is happening? Because I certainly don't remember that. Apparently, it's supposed to be in L.A. But, goddamn. I know. I had to struggle for that one. Down. I had to hunt down where they were supposed to be technically. <laughs> but yeah, they're technically supposed to be in LA. So, okay. We go back with Gary Oldman and he goes to see Kate Beckinsale at her art studio. And, you know, Gary Oldman's like, I want to see Matthew McConaughey. And she's like, okay, well, well, who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm his brother. Like, and she was like, oh, like, like, like a dog. Like, no, 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 we're, we're twins. And I'm like, okay. And then Kate Beckinsale lets it slip that that, that uh, her and Matthew McConaughey are getting married. And then Kate Beckinsale is just like, um, so she asks this question. Are your parents little people? And Gary Oldman's just like, oh, yeah, Matthew McConaughey is the biggest one in the family. And I'm like, oh, uh, uh, okay. And she's just yeah, like, I have it's... many questions for you. Uh, c- come on in. <laughs> She's, yeah, exactly. She has she has the question. She 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 has the audience's reaction where she goes. It's not that I don't believe you. It's that I have so many more questions detailing this. So <laughs> oh, so many more. So that doesn't matter though because we got to go back with Peter Dinklage and this fucking hitchhiker, and he wakes up with like crystals all over his face. Oh yeah, she's one of those people. And a maid knocks on the door, but they don't let her in. But then, like, the manager of the hotel comes to knock on the door, and this pisses off Peter Dinklage, who, you know, has a very natural reaction of going to get his gun and is going to go shoot them. But the hitchhiker ends up leaving the room and starts to beat the shit out of the motel manager, and then just fucking grab their stuff and go. This is my favorite thing, though, to their reaction is, like, you kind of feel slightly, just like a tinge of justification for the fact that the hotel manager, when they all first arrived, was like, oh, I don't allow prostitutes. And she's like, I'm not a prostitute. Granted, she is a white woman with dreadlocks wearing a skirt that barely covers her waist. I don't know what that's supposed to signify, but all I'm going to say is some of it is cultural appropriation. (laughs) And then proceeds to look at Gary Oldman and Peter Dinklage and go enter two kids and like smirks. So you're like, you know what? That jackass deserves a little bit, but he is very unhappy. 
you don't you don't exactly you don't feel sorry for the property manager. You mm-hmm. do feel you do you do have to turn to Peter Dinklage's character and go, buddy, you, this is not Grand Theft Auto. I would put the gun away. This that feels like you're that feels like you're taking 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 a jackhammer to surgery. Like let's just <laughs> so we got to go back with Matthew McConaughey though. Now Kate Beckinsale walks up and she wants to have a conversation with him just in the middle of his lesson in this field. And they have this very intense conversation while all the other firefighters, like 10 or 20 of them, just kind of sit on the ground and watch them fight. And Kate Beckinsale <laughs> says, you could have, to- she says, you could have told me everyone in your family is a offensive word for a little person. And Matthew McConaughey's like, they're dwarves. So, and then she continues to just call them the offensive word for little people you guys know what it is and she's like okay well like is this going to happen to our children and matthew mcconaughey is just like it it's possible so she's upset but matthew mcconaughey's reasoning is like i thought it wasn't important i didn't think it was the right time so they have like this really boring fight do they want to get married do they want to raise a kid of their own should they adopt but then she calls them the slur for the third time matthew mcconaughey is like okay this needs to just stop so they fight, but then Matthew McConaughey's like, look, I got to get back to work. Kate Beckinsale has to go back home. All of these firefighters are just I, within earshot. Dude, it was probably like I, eating some popcorn I, I, watching I gotta this say, fight. I got to say, this is like, they're having this messy-ass conversation in front of the entire fire team who, I got to say, they, they, they just, I just wish, I if this, if this movie did the comedy correctly, I would just love for the cameras to just pan back and it's just all of them are just sitting, just, just waiting, just with popcorn and like just sitting there, just like some are sitting down, some are drinking just like oh so, it, it would oh, be even better if, it'd be even better right if they had like a little fire that they were roasting marshmallows on or something yeah, exactly <laughs> it's like or it's like they turn and there's like oh should oh exactly we should get back to work or something but it's just well, they had they had such an opportunity to make that funny because this is such a messy conversation to have in an open field we, i I also just want to add, I feel like there's there's a small thing that goes kind of unnoticed in this whole movie that is a little weird. It, it, like, all of the other character choices and things that happen, you're like, ah, those, those are all weird, and you kind of let them be for the fact that they're in this movie. Uh, but can we just talk about Kate Beckinsale and the fact that, like, in that one scene, she's like, I gotta have this weird, floppy knit hat. <laughs> it's, it's, it, is, it is a very I mean, just... It, it is a very noticeable hat. It's it's just and, and it, like it's these small things that command your attention like that. Well, and even before then, when she first meets uh, Gary Oldman's character, she's literally standing at the doorway with like purposely pulled up the front of her underwear, kind of like halfway up the hips, and you're like, okay. One, if you're trying to do the like capris that are really low rise that show a little bit of your like underwear. That's not really what you're showing right now. This is a weirder look. And then for the rest of that scene, it changes heights multiple times. <laughs> the script supervisor wasn't there, like making markings on just Kate Beckinsale's stomach. Just, like, okay, it has to be dude, right dude, here. I would love, right I would here. love the behind no, the scenes. Dude. I would love the behind the scenes where the script supervisor runs in with a ruler and is just like, and and okay, all right, we're at three point one five people. If we go to three point one seven, I'll kill someone. 
Honestly, I just I do wonder though if the hat that she wears in this scene with Matthew McConaughey on like in front of his fire cadets, I guess it like I read something that said that she agreed to do this movie for two things. She would do it for like the SAG minimum uh, payment, and as long as she got to wear her lucky hat, I just want to know: <laughs> is that her lucky hat? And one, why? <laughs> Listen, man. Actors are some actors are interesting people. That's so hey, weird. I have I have gone to college with multiple people who have gone on to be actors and am like friends with all of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actors actors become actors for a reason, people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my god. So we have a random inconsequential scene with Peter Dinklage and this hippie girl just fucking hanging out in a park and lying on a blanket but you know that does nothing for this movie so we're gonna go back with matthew mcconaughey to matthew mcconaughey's apartment where gary oldman's on the phone and yells and yells to his ex-girlfriend just i'm a fucking i'm a fucking fart and then he just stops hangs up i'm like dude it's crank call of the century crank call of the century (laughs) (laughs) just dude damn (laughs) eat your heart out bart simpson like (laughs) what the fuck dude i heard that and i literally was just i uh, like this movie made me audibly call back out to the movie the most out of any movie we've watched the most like <laughs> that happened i was and i li- audibly went what the hell like the amount of times i watched this and went why what what the fuck is happening <laughs> why? that's this movie in a fucking nutshell so <laughs> the basics of this scene is Kate Beckinsale is concerned about her child being a little person, but Gary Oldman's like, oh, I can refer to you to a specialist. So now we go over to the specialist, and apparently it's Gary Oldman's Uncle Bobby. So they go over to his house, and you know he meets the family in the backyard. So Kate Beckinsale's like, okay, listen, if I had this baby and it turns out to be like, you know, a little person, what should I do about raising him? And you know, they talk about, you know, say, oh, it's, you know, you'll. You'll be fine. I'll give you resources, whatever you need. Then Kate Beckinsale just starts breaking down crying because she's embarrassed. Like, you know, I'm question. I She was like, I'm she's she said this. I'm questioning to bring a person into this world who looks just like you. I feel like an asshole. But she's <laughs> but then, you know, Uncle Bobby spouts some wisdom and says there's nothing about being little that prevents you from being happy. And I'm like. Isn't that right, Mike? <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. It's okay, man. It's, I, you know, it's we have a It's not the size. It's how you use this. it. Be be better than this. We have a guest. Mike, do you Mike? Do you expect the three of us to be better about anything around each other? It's, no, that, no. I didn't expect anything, but you know what? I I thought something. I thought I thought my co-host here would have a little bit more, a little bit more, like podcasting etiquette but all right we're just gonna we're just when, gonna shoot each when, other when have we ever had etiquette on this podcast oh my god when, all have, right. when have any of us ever had an etiquette in general let's get back to the little people talking about talking about <laughs> talking talking about acceptance all right because i feel like we could all use use a lesson on acceptance here all right maybe we could all use a lesson on acceptance so why don't, why don't you why don't you recant what they say max Okay, so that scene ends, and then later that night, Kate Beckinsale calls Matthew McConaughey, who's just sitting out in nature alone at night. So 
they talk. Kate Beckinsale's like, oh yeah, I went over to your family's house. They were very nice. You know, we were invited to a party. Matthew McConaughey is like, oh yeah, sure, I can meet you there. Okay, yeah. By the way, my battery's dying. Got to go by. Fucking hangs up his phone, yeets it into nature. <laughs> And then just randomly invites a firefighter that's standing like 10 feet away. He's like, you, you want to go to a party? Dude. And she's like, sure. And I'm like, all right, cool. We're going tomorrow. Dude, that, that's so weird. That's so fucking weird. So strange. <laughs> like, I don't, like, I have no idea what the hell progressed. <laughs> like, is, what is the insinuation that he's cheating on her? I'm assuming that's what it is. But like, it's Possibly. just, it, like, like, it's just literally enter stage freaking left. Just this, just this random shadowy figure just emerges, and Matthew McConaughey goes, "Do you want to go to a party?" Like, like what I the mean, hell's maybe, going dude, on? Maybe, maybe that's what we get in the two hour and thirty minute cut. Exactly, oh, exactly. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe there's probably some more details about what there's, the hell happened then. There's got to be a lot more about these firefighters because, like, we only meet two of them, and the first scene, Matthew McConaughey is just yelling at one of them like <laughs> terribly. It's it's just so weird because none of them have much of any interaction with him other than this like one blonde girl who in that sequence also is like, hey, you're being an asshole. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Everybody take five. It's so odd. So, OK, so we go to this party. Peter Dinklage, his girl, Gary Oldman and Kate Beckinsale arrive at the super fancy party. And, you know, a bunch of little people are partying it up. Also, Gary Oldman's ex-girlfriend flirts with the speaker from the conference. But then Matthew McConaughey arrives with his firefighter friend. They meet up and Matthew McConaughey introduces Kate Beckinsale to his firefighter students who calls them the slur. And, you know, then the student just fucking runs off. So they go inside to this party to find Peter Dinklage, who I don't know if we've mentioned this, talks in a French accent throughout this whole movie, yelling at Uncle Bobby's and, you know, He's yelling about like, you know, how he's a, com- a Marxist and, you know, about the French Revolution, how, you know, we hate Americans. And like, that's basically what's going on to his uncle. And he's yelling that to his uncle, Bobby. And he's like, uh, 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 OK. So Gary Oldman pops up and is like, hey, stay the fuck away from my uncle. He's a great guy. The storm's outside. Kate Beckinsale and Sally, Gary Oldman's ex, you know, gossip while Matthew McConaughey and Gary Oldman talk outside. And, you know, they they argue, Matt, uh, Gary Oldman, why didn't you tell your fiance about us? You have an identity crisis. And they argue Gary Oldman's yelling, but Kate Beckinsale comes up and is now yelling at Matthew McConaughey. Gary Oldman wanders off. Kate lot Beckinsale, of, lot, lots of lots of yelling in back and forthness right here. It's just a lot. I thought of, it was supposed to be a party, right? It's it's just messy. That's all it is. And also, also, quick flashback to Peter Dinklage and Uncle Bobby just having their little argument. There's just one line that's dropped by Uncle Bobby's wife, which is just chef's kiss because it came out in 2004 and you're like, oh, aged like milk where it's just, oh my God, what is it? Uh, Give me a second. Oh, um, Americans don't go around committing random acts of violence on the street. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) Michael Flaherty coming in with a spicy political takes. Exactly. Let alone alone said to the only character that shows a handgun in the movie. (laughs) Exactly. I'm just, I'm like, I just, I just wanted to, I just want to quickly slide that one in. And just like, Boom, all right. <laughs> yep. So 
Kate Beckinsale's like, okay, I just want some information about our baby. Matthew McConaughey is like, are you mad at me? I wish I had some answers, but I don't. So they hug it out. Gary Oldman wanders back with them and he can't find Sally. But it turns out uh, Sally is getting drilled by the speaker that was at the conference earlier. And he's and Gary Oldman's not too happy. So he's so they storm off. Kate Beckinsale, Matthew McConaughey see this. And they're like, you know what? Fuck this. Let's start heading out. Matthew McConaughey goes to talk to his brother, and you know, they figure they figure it out and they start walking back. So we go back to the apartment where Matthew McConaughey and Kate Beckinsale lie awake in bed. And they have like just a conversation about what was Gary Oldman's childhood like? Did they give him a tough time? And it's just, you know, what it means to be a, a little person. That's really essentially what it is. And one line I want to point out from Kate Beckinsale is, have you ever been involved with a little person sexually? Damn. And it's just and another oh, line. The story we get. The story we get after that one. That yeah, I I wanted to touch on that. Matthew McConaughey comes out with a story that makes me go, huh? Oh, is this <laughs> one? Is this, is this one about a Matthew? What, about a Gary Oldman and Sally uh, in high back in high school? Well, oh, not even no, that. no. This is this is this is more about what Matthew McConaughey's character did as yeah, a kid oh, and yeah. is close oh, to God, a sexual yeah. experience. Oh, we're really? talking yeah. about playing doctor. <laughs> As a yeah, kid, where he plays, yeah, where he plays just, doctor at age twelve, and then the follow-up comment was, <clears throat> "So you were in like a little people circle jerk at age 12? And I was like, "I hate it. I, that sentence." I wanna, made me made me worried. My, my, never, can you say it louder for the people in the back, please? I don't want to. I don't want to utter it again. But Mitchell, just, I hate you for showing me this movie. <laughs> yeah I, hey hey i just i do i do want to say this now the only reason that i wanted to be on here tonight when i picked this movie was because i realized after picking it how horrible it was and how tortured i was putting you two through so i had to go through that same torture it's not fucking larson <laughs> i was my damn close Really it, hey, if 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 the two of you need me to do bucky larson for this movie no. i i will uh, no, I don't wish that on anyone. No, we, we don't, don't wish that on anyone. Don't. <laughs> so the this weird scene ends with Kate Beckinsale saying, it's not a good thing if our child uh, is little to have a father who's ambivalent about being little. You know, consider going to therapy and talk to somebody about this. So next morning, Kate Beckinsale goes to talk with, um, I don't know, fucking Kathleen, Matthew McConaughey's mom in this movie about her choice of being an artist, you know, it's, it's paying the bills. And this is like the whole meeting of the parents scene in the rom-com. So the parents meet Kate Beckinsale's parents are clearly, you know, surprised by what they're seeing, especially the mom all while Gary Oldman's like over there, just pouring drinks. Like the three of us would be at any freaking family event. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's first we, we sit there, we shake hands with all the relatives, go, "Hey, how are you?" And then it's just to the bar and when people show up, you go, "Hey, what do you want?" Like that's it's the safe that's the safe no man's land in any family that, function. It, it also just reminds you that a true 18-year-old wrote this script. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, outside Matthew McConaughey he's talking to the dad about you know being in the Navy and oh they bond about that but Kate Beckinsale's mom is just like you know you could have prepared me for this she 
she's kind of de- uh, decked up like a Karen. So you can kind of, you know, you, the, the, you feel a little bit of tension here. And, you know, they propose a toast and it's all very nice. They sit around the dinner table. Kate Beckinsale's dad tells a farting joke that's a real hit. You know, he's a little tipsy. It's all it's all laughs and stuff. But the but Kate Beckinsale's mom's being awfully quiet. And then she pipes up and is like, OK, I think there's something we need to bring up that you won't want to hear. And I certainly wouldn't want anyone to think that, you know, we're prejudiced people. And you're just like, be very she's careful. She's going to say the thing. She's, she's going to say the thing. She's going to do it. She's going to do it. Some, everybody pull out your phones. Get ready to put this on Karen TikTok because somebody's <laughs> about, about to, to lose their job. <laughs> she's about to be bigoted. <laughs> but then the dad pipes up and is like, so Kate Beckinsale's granddad is an Orthodox Jew and we have a tradi- and we need to have a traditional Jewish wedding or else he won't be able to go. And we're just like, and you know, we're sitting there like, nice recovery. It's again, again, it was one of those moments where I heard them go, do the, do the hold for tension and then going, now we're Orthodox Jew. And I was like, God damn. Oh my God. I was like, I, I was almost mad that the movie decided to do a bait and switch with the tension. This is much like, and I, it's like, not that the other end would be good. I really mm-hmm. want that to be stressed. Like not that yeah. the other one would be a good thing. And I'd be like, yeah, like it's just, I'm like, it's much like horror movies. I don't like it when you break the tension with a bait and switch. That just, mm-hmm. I just scares, get yeah. mad. I just yep. get mad. It it just, it's also one of those things where, like, I was looking at something about responses or, like, uh, different interview questions that some of the people who'd started in this movie got asked, like, later. And there was one from Peter Dinklage um, where he, he was, like, especially in reference to when they recut it and had to release the 90 minute one. He was like, Mm -hmm. it was sort of an amazing idea for a movie, but the result of the new cut was what we were fighting against the cuteness of little people. Mm -hmm. It took away, like they had all of this opportunity, at least what I would assume from the original intent of the movie to try to have something that came off a little bit more lively and and entertaining, but Mm -hmm. they just tried to create cops in some weird way of this type of movie and it does not work yeah man i mean it, it it's just a very like weird amalgamation that kind of feels like again the two hour and 30 minute version could very well be like you know the definitive version of this movie but unfortunately that's not the version that we got so nope. yeah and i I'd be curious to see what that one is like. You know, maybe it does a, maybe it is like, you know, the breathtaking experience and, you know, it is Gary Oldman in the role of a lifetime in that one. But that's, again, that's not what we got. Eat your heart out, Churchill. (laughs) So now we cut to that traditional Jewish wedding in a field with Matthew McConaughey wearing a yarmulke. That I just wanted to say that, by the way, that's all. Is that, is this offensive? Eh, I'll I'll leave, I'll leave that for y'all to. For y'all to judge. And also Peter Dinklage and his hippie girlfriend sit on a blanket and watch this and say offensive things. And yeah, this is where he looks like the lead singer of Corn with his hair braided. So anyways. <laughs> well, Jenny wears a happy birthday crown. For it's, some reason. Dude, dude, again, again, the costume designer in this 
they had they had a few little like moments like where they were like things made sense but they just went hog wild sometimes <laughs> like in the smallest <laughs> ways they just were just like yeah let's fucking throw in let's have patricia arquette wear a burger king crown <laughs> why not why not you're like it's so so anyway, they're they're married now, and they get in their car and kiss. But you know, we sense that something is off. Kate Beckinsale watches Gary Oldman, you know, walking in the distance, and she runs after him. And she's like, you know, thank you. And you know, Gary Oldman's like, oh, you know, Matthew McConaughey's a lucky guy, and Kate Beckinsale's like, oh, so what are you gonna do now? And Gary Oldman's like, oh, you know, go to go to my parents' cabin, do some writing, and then she just kisses him on the lips, like out of nowhere, says, okay, well, goodbye, Mwah. and then fucking like dips, like. I'm sorry, we're in America. This isn't like a European country where like that could be considered like, you know, kind of no I don't fucking know. I'm probably making a rash generalization. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Max. You weren't raised <laughs> to kiss to your siblings on the lips. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> we didn't grow up in Alabama. <laughs> L- exactly. Listen, listen, listen. We grew up in a city. That's that that's that country stuff. That that's that <laughs> country folks do it different. They make do. <laughs> It's not just a family tree out in the country. It's more like a family circle. Exactly. The crop circles are just family trees as they go in there. Crop circles. You know, you know, yeah, you know signs where it's all the crop circles show up? It's actually just someone sketching their family tree with a lawnmower. You heard it here first, guys. Michael Flaherty thinks signs is about incest. <laughs> dude, that's like, dude, that's big Pepe Sylvia energy right there. Where it's just like, where I have to oh, go, yeah. hear me out. Hear me out. Follow the line. Follow the red. Follow the red line. So we fade later to a hospital and Kate Beckinsale and Matthew McConaughey have already had their kid. And the doctor walks in, says a bunch of medical terminology that they'll need for the kid, like, you know, hormone injections. Matthew McConaughey is like, he's not looking happy. And he fucking kyles a wall, like punches it in frustration. He's not happy because his kid turns out has dwarfism. And, you know, the, the doctor is suggesting, you know, maybe you should get some counseling. But Matthew McConaughey fucking storms off in frustration while Kate Beckinsale is left taking care of their baby. But then Matthew McConaughey returns and he's a little bit nicer now. And offers to take care of watching, take over watching the baby for a little bit. Then we fade to even later, where the baby's just fucking crying loudly, and Kate Beckinsale holds him. Matthew McConaughey is there too. And, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going on. And Matthew McConaughey is just getting angry out of fucking nowhere. And he's just like, say, say the word. Say, what, what's his condition? And he just starts screaming. And Kate Beckinsale's like, he's a baby. You're scaring him. And this is my favorite line in this movie. <laughs> it's Matthew McConaughey saying he's crying because he's hurt. He's a dwarf. I'm a dwarf. I, no. That was my favorite bit. That was so perfect. Especially because he put like a beat between the he's a dwarf. I'm a dwarf. And you're like, no, you're not, buddy. But okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's my favorite. spirit. That's my favorite thing is like, I'm glad we all three of us wrote that down because that shit was crazy to me. I was like, him going, I'm a dwarf. And then just, and then just, just, just angrily. And he's like, it's like, there's rage in his voice as he does it. You're like, you're like, hey, I know this is the heat of the moment and this is a bad time, but 
technically i don't know how true that is but Listen, i think my favorite my favorite thing about it is like the scene is like ending when he's in like the other room and it's like fading to the next scene and we just hear him say i'm a dwarf and it just goes on like nothing happens and i'm like i'm sorry can we quick just, cut can we just rewind that one more time <laughs> now, now Mike, i want to ask you this question what's worse this line or the entirety of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. Oh my God! Oh, I, Mitchell, I, I can honestly too. tell yeah. you, I, I, I think I actually sat and watched some of that with Mike while you guys were going through the Texas Chainsaw stuff. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. It's see, I, I do have to say, as a, this line sucks, but damn, next generation is. That's a whole, that's a mess in motion. That is a mess in motion with so many moments that are also out of nowhere. Like, like the one, like the one lady who out of nowhere, when people just start hooting and hollering and yelling, she just heard her, her initial defense mechanism is to flash people. And that's already a left field that equates to I'm a dwarf. Mothered by Matthew McConaughey. Okay, so now you know he's sitting in angst on a spiral staircase. You know, Kate Beckinsale comes up and is like they sit down and are trying to figure out their issues. McConaughey is just like, it's not getting better between us. It's just not, you know, I'm making things worse. I can do better by Vincent, which is a strange name to give a baby. I'm expecting Vincent to be like 60 years old and like the world's most Republican man or whatever, but that's besides the point. <laughs> and then we, as you said, we can do better by Vincent if I'm somewhere else. Kate Beckinsale's like, wait, do, do you really think that? And then we fade away. What the fuck does that mean? Doesn't matter. We move on. We fade to Peter Dinklage and uh, this fucking Jenny from Forrest Gump chilling in a hot tub while Gary Oldman's sitting on a porch. And then Kate Beckinsale like approaches the cabin with her child. Turns out her and Matthew McConaughey have now separated. And Gary Oldman just goes, oh, okay. And then they fucking kiss again. And just like they're just Kate Beckinsale is going to stay like her and her baby are staying with her ex-husband's brother. This twin 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 brother. brother. This is messy. This is the dude. This is we're getting into soap opera territory. fellas. uh, uh, Like legitimately, I I was going to wait till we finished talking about the whole movie. But this movie literally because of the fact that uh, I think it's John um, Langley was one of the producers who was like the producer of cops because he's like coming from the world of cops. I feel like he's like, I got to make a, uh, like a, a rom-com that feels like a soap opera. I need them invested. No, you don't, man. You could have just made a really good movie with a lot of little people actors that could have carried the weight entirely. <laughs> but no, we need people separating and sleeping with their identical brothers who suffer from dwarfism. But they're you know, actually the, the, only, you know, the this, only thing they they missed was having someone in a coma. Yeah, exactly. If no, they had someone in a coma, you want to know what you want to know? What this is R.I.P. to this person. This is an episode of Jerry Springer. Oh, holy yeah, shit! You're right. Holy you're right. Sh- yeah. R- <laughs> R.I.P. to Jerry Springer. <laughs> R.I.P. to Jerry Springer. R.I.P. Yeah, Jerry. This is... <laughs> Sorry, I, I was kind of thinking to myself as I was watching it, just humming to myself, Jerry, 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 Jerry. Man, I, honestly, I would love to have seen, for whatever reason, if this had been like a real scenario where like uh, an average height person or someone who was above average height is the only person that doesn't 
have dwarfism in their family marry somebody that they didn't tell then having to go on like dr phil or like <laughs> oprah to talk about no, like their you, relationship you know it'd be maury povich you know <laughs> you know damn well maury would be that like white on yeah right. yeah there's maury, no maury would be there there's i feel no like Miss way Wendy. maury would not leap on that opportunity <laughs> I feel like I feel like Miss Wendy would try to, but Maury would be like, "Nah, mine." <laughs> no, dude, dude authoritative. Wendy, dude, Wendy, 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 Wendy would try and be like, "No, I want to do it." Maury, Maury's Give about that me. life. Maury would, Maury's, Maury, Maury's got hands that are ready for everyone. He, he would, <laughs> he would step in front. Okay, so as much as we would like to see that, we, we have to move on. So An episode of Jerry Springer with Maury Povich beating the brakes <laughs> off of Wendy Williams. That's coming soon. So, <laughs> so later they're all sitting outside. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> uh, Gary Oldman's been writing for a newspaper in the political section. Uh, Peter Dinklage has political beliefs. Uh, Gary Oldman says, Kate Beckinsale, you can stay as long as you need to. But then Peter Dinklage and his girls start fighting. And then the baby starts crying and she starts, you know, breastfeeding the baby, you know, while she's had something to drink. And she even recognizes like, oh, yeah, I'm drunk. But, you know, he's hungry, <laughs> which is just crazy. great mother, which is oh, great mother right there. Hmm. Amazing. Somebody called child services. She goes, she, she's like, she's like, she goes, little Vinny wants another fucking shot. <laughs> <laughs> The Mess of Midnight podcast does not condone drinking while you are either breastfeeding or pregnant. I just want to make that abundantly. We do no, not condone no, that. Do not do that. Absolutely. Do not do that. Do not do that. Do not do, not do, do that. Not. So, it is unsafe and unwise. So in her in um Kate Beckinsale's room at the cabin, she's sleeping while Peter Dinklage and you know this hippie are fighting. When we cut out there, and you know, she's storming out. And you know, that's really kind of kind of the end of it, kind of the end of them in this movie. So Gary Oldman then sneaks in to take a look at his nephew, you know, to hold him and, you know, leaves the room to go take care of him because, you know, the baby's crying. But Kate Beckinsale wakes up to find, you know, Gary Oldman holding this fucking baby that looks like he's holding a fucking, I don't know, baby doll in the living room. Mm -hmm. It literally looks like he's holding a baby doll. <laughs> like My favorite thing is baby from they, American Sniper. <laughs> they hired they hired a they hired a baby actor for like three camera shots and only got its face in like those three shots for a minimum of like 30 seconds and the best part is every other shot the baby's in it is so obviously just a blanket wrapped around a toy baby so it's, it's insane so gary oldman you know and says like oh don't worry i'll watch vincent but then kate back and she's like oh okay so she goes back upstairs and then you know we go to the next day Matthew McConaughey drives up to his brother's cabin and Kate Beckinsale is just sitting on the porch and he, you know Matthew McConaughey walks past Gary Oldman talks to Kate Beckinsale you know they're talking cordially and you know Gary Oldman starts you know walking away from this to give him a little bit of privacy McConaughey's been in therapy Beckinsale's like listen I never doubted that you loved me you know you've got to love our child I know that you do you can't show it if you can't show it as far as you know he's concerned you know, might as well not exist. McConaughey is like, just give me a chance. Beckinsale's like, Vincent's got to come first. You know, they talk back and forth. Things are getting weird. You know, she's like, Vincent can't wait around for you. If you, you know, if you get it together, you're too confused. Then Gary Oldman returns. You know, things are just kind of a little bit awkward between him and Matthew McConaughey. 
Matthew McConaughey's like, man, what you two must think of me? And just fucking leaves. Says, I'll say goodbye to my kid and head back to the city. So he goes to say goodbye to the kid where, you know, Gary Oldman's like, look, are you mad at me? Connie's like, no, I'm not mad. And then just fucking leaves. <laughs> yeah, no, no other resolution on that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's my, again, favorite, favorite thing is, he, is, is, is Gary Oldman going, hey, am, are you mad at me? I eat or like in this movie's terms, is there an opportunity for us to potentially close something or allow for development? Finally putting in the final pin on this character and McConaughey literally going, Nope. And just getting in the car and leaving. And that's it. Fucking fucking his character's done. And you're like, Oh good. Good. We didn't need to figure out if he was going to grow the hell up or it's just, it's it's so crazy. Cause like they have this whole arc from the, beginning of the movie of like Matthew McConaughey not telling Kate Beckinsale that mm-hmm. his entire family deals with dwarfism and all of them have it and that he's the only one who doesn't and that at a certain point like he goes through all of these terrible abilities of having conversations and and she's the one at the beginning who's like worried about having a child with dwarfism and is kind of trying to deal with what the ramifications of having an entire extended family that suffers from this dwarfism that you're kind of like by the end of the movie she's the one who's actually come around to all of it and understands it and that's actually a decent human about it Mm -hmm. where Matthew McConaughey is still a child like but it doesn't make any sense it's it's, Uh, yeah it doesn't there's there's, it doesn't make sense at all it's there's no it's it instead of having all the characters grow and learn and become better people it's just Mm -hmm. they flip-flopped and you're like oh what I don't know if yeah. it feels weird yeah. because it's like, you know, with Kate Beckinsale, that kind of feels like maybe a little bit more natural character arc where you're like, you know, I don't get it. But then, mm-hmm. you know, you come around and you're like, I do get it. Matthew McConaughey, he's he starts off with like, I get it. I understand. But then he turns like, no, nah, fuck you. And like, you know, he, he grew up like with a family of people who suffered, who had dwarfism. And then he, now he's just like, all no, I don't want that. But his motivations don't really make sense. It's all because, you know, oh, my child has dwarfism now and that and that but it's like it's just that it's not like it's just my child has dwarfism for matthew mcconaughey it's not my child has dwarfism and that makes me feel x y and z it's just kind of bland like unfiltered water boring Mm -hmm. that's all it Mm is yeah exactly well this scene is also like the only real conversation that Kate Beckinsale has with Matthew McConaughey's character Mm -hmm. in reality. Like this is the only time that she's honest with him about how shitty of a person he's been sometimes. But at the same time, like he's holding place for some of his emotion, Mm -hmm. which I think is a good part of it. But there's a couple things in this scene that either were in my head or I kind of noticed that made me go, huh? One, Matthew McConaughey is wearing a wedding ring still in that scene. Hmm. Oof. And I don't, I, I also, this is, this is something that I think I just kind of had in my own head of like, ooh, this would be a weird way for this scene to go, is I, for whatever reason, thought that the second time that Matthew McConaughey went to say bye to Vincent, he was going to try to like take Vincent away. Oh my God. I don't, I, I don't know why, but yeah, for a second I was like, for a second I was like, he's like, no, I'm going to have this baby and like would run away. Act I'm glad he awesome. didn't because that would have been crazy. But. Act three, it turns into fucking Taken. Like you just see Kate Beckinsale like arming herself and just fucking sprinting like the T-1000 Listen, don't, after don't, Matthew don't, McConaughey. Don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> 
God. You just see Rolf is like Rolf is like strapped to Kate Beckinsale like a backpack when he's holding like an AK as he's like shooting at Matthew McConaughey. Listen, it's not he's not walking with a cane because you know he's hurting. He's walking with a cane because he's you know that's a distraction because he's packing heat with dual wielding shotguns. Dude, dude, he keeps that thing on him. He's walking with a cane because it's a cane sword. And oh, yeah. He's just on his knees. Yeah, he, he exactly. That is the be- that would be the best if, like, Matthew McConaughey starts sprinting off with the baby. And, and you just see Gary Oldman's character literally get up, put his shoes on his feet, and just start sprinting <laughs> after him. Okay, look, we got we to finish this movie. We have, like, one more paragraph. Okay. They sit outside by some grill and it's lit by like the light and Kate Beckinsale looks up at the stars. The music is rising. She's sitting by Gary Oldman. She's like, you can kiss me if you want. And Gary Oldman obliges. And this would have a way bigger impact if they didn't just so casually do it right after their marriage. And then the screen fucking fades to black. And yeah, that's this fucking movie. Mitchell, what in the cinnamon toast fuck did you make us watch? <laughs> I, I wanted to keep you guys on your toes with this one. Oh, we were on you, our you toes. Could, you you could have yeah, yeah. chosen anything. You could have <laughs> hey. been like, hey, I want I want you guys to watch uh, fucking Die Hard. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. We're going we're gonna to have a nice weekend with Die Hard. But no, you got to bring motherfucking – you got to just ruin Matthew McConaughey a little bit more for me. <laughs> dude, dude. Hey, okay, hold on, hold on. I do want to point out. If Matthew McConaughey isn't ruined for you by now, I just want anyone listening to go look up his like five hour live stream that he did Mm. recently, like within the last couple months. It's insane. This I, I don't know what Matthew McConaughey did to end up in the point that he's at, but whatever he's done since becoming a professor at like the University of Texas, he has gone off the deep end. It's I such it. a funny I video it. to watch. I believe it. I believe yeah. It. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> McConaughey. McConaughey. It, it, it was very weird because for a long time, everyone was like, dumb party guy. And then he did Lincoln Lawyer and everyone's like, whoa. And then he did Mud, Dallas Buyers Club and all these really some good powerful movies. movies. Some yeah. movies that make you go, holy shit, this is good. And then he just does a 180 and goes on five-hour rants as a professor in the in, uh, University of Texas. Like. Well, yeah, I mean, guys, that, that does it for Tiptoes. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Mitchell, thank you for being our first guest. It is, a, it is an honor I, and a privilege to bring you on the podcast. I appreciate it and love the two of you dearly. So glad that this podcast has been happening and that you guys have been torturing yourselves with all kinds of bad movies. Better or for worse, dude. We are. We know exactly. We we we've got reverse like movie knowledge. Most people watch good movies and like try and get an idea on what to do. We watch shitty movies and know what not to do. I literally just had this conversation with my girlfriend like this past weekend because this past weekend we watched Hellraiser four or five five Paranormal Activity three or four. And Hellraiser 6. And I asked her, I was like, please, for the... And then I had to watch Tiptoes. And then I was like, please, for the love of God, can we watch 
a good fucking movie sometime soon. I am tired. <laughs> and then I went, okay, went to go see Evil Dead Rise, and I was like, okay, cool. We're, we're yeah, exactly. Even exactly. Now, we're, and all was, all was right in the world. All was right in the world. All right, guys. Well, go follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. You guys know the deal. Mitchell, where can people find you? Uh, I am on uh, social media, but uh, I don't post much about anything outside of uh, personal stuff. Uh, I may eventually have something more in terms of uh, work stuff as I do theatrical uh, stage productions, uh, mostly lighting design wise. And I do actually have friends and family that are in the world of film and television. Mm -hmm. So uh, never, never fear to see my name somewhere. Dude, absolutely. Well, hell, you're, you're, your name is going to be on this podcast episode. Hell yeah. For better or hell for yeah. worse. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we'll see y'all next week. See you next week, everybody.